Awesome. Welcome to Author News Weekly, the weekly news show by authors for authors. We read the news so you don't have to. Join our panel of best-selling authors each week as we take a deep dive into the publishing world, both indie and traditional. Author News Weekly. Yeah, whatever. Hey everybody, welcome to Author News Weekly, another week where a group of authors overthink the news so you don't have to use your your highly volatile brain power, limited resources to overthink it yourself. We've got you covered. Especially now this month, this month is NaNoWriMo. So if you're doing NaNoWriMo, you need even more brain power just to get in your 1,667 words. With me per day, that's per day by the way, so don't cheat. With me today, <laughs> we've got the wonderful R.A. McGee with his free voice. Hello, 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 everyone. Hi. Before you guys go any further, I just want to take a minute and thank Jim for being so magnanimous to lift the restraining order at least long enough to be within 50 virtual feet of him for this show. So I really appreciate that, Jim. We'll see how this goes. Yes. I understand this is a trial and I will be on my best behavior. In the live stream, we have to make sure that you and Jim are cattywampus from each other on the screen. Yeah, yeah. And of course, that means we have the lovely Jim Heskett. Yes, hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being had. And we should have a, not a surprise guest, but a surprise uh, co-host. Nick Thacker should be joining us as soon as he can uh, figure out which button to click. So let's get started with this week's news. The big news, it just came out. I just heard this yesterday and everyone's going to be, I don't know, excited about it, but everyone's going to have something to say about it. The big five was going to be the big four. And the government said, not so fast, Penguin Random House, Simon and Schuster. You can't join up. What do you guys think about this? I don't know if it really matters to authors because what who owns the companies really just makes a difference in who at the top is getting rich off all this. That's the that's really the difference there. I don't think this is going to bet. I don't think things are going to improve for authors as a result of this. I think it's really funny that the publishers trotted out Stephen King, expecting him to give the company line to Congress, but King was very much pro labor in that argument. It was reminded me a lot of like D. Snyder back in the eighties or nineties when Tipper Gore was going after all the musicians, and they got D. Snyder up in Congress, who they thought he was going to look like an idiot with his long blonde hair and makeup. But he uh, was very eloquent and well-spoken. And I think Stephen King did the same thing, made some very good points about why the, the clustering and the collective is bad for readers and authors and everyone in general. But yeah. I don't know if things will be the same as they were or worse, probably not better. I don't see how it can get better because this means nothing will change. Yeah. Except now they're angry. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. You are a... Yeah, so I don't really feel strongly one way or another about this. I tend to just let businesses do what businesses do because there's not a lot I can do to stop it. I've never queried a traditional publisher. I don't have any traditional books, never even queried one. It's never been something I was interested in. I don't care too much, but I wonder if the Justice Department, why the Justice Department is arguing this. There's a point in this that says, if consummated, this is the Justice Department's party line, if consummated, the proposed Simon and Schuster merger would likely result in substantial harm to the authors of anticipated top selling books and ultimately consumers. And 
I don't think we really care about the authors of anticipated top selling books. I don't think that's anything that we're concerned about. We're all thinking, hey, if this is bad for authors, it's because the regular guy has less of a chance. My opinion, the regular guy has less of a chance to query and perhaps be a middling mid lister. But they're arguing for the top ranked guys. And I don't really care about them. I don't know what the point of that is, but I don't really care. I'm just being honest, you know. Well, I agree with you there, and I listened to some of the things, like the sort of the, the clips that they people put together for us over the during the trial, and a lot of the arguments were that only the big guys, only the big guys and girls, the uh, big authors, will continue to get the big royalties, and it's going to harm the people you know, who want to get into the industry and people who are in the middle. So it's a weird statement to turn around and throw out that this is going to hurt like, yeah. Like why are they protecting the big, the biggest winners? Like that's so, that weird. And also to lump in, I can understand the, the wanting to protect the consumer or the readers as we like to call them, but to throw them in that same sentence seemed like a non sequitur. Like, yeah. What does that one thing have to do with the readers? I can see that it's not good for the readers because it'll be less choice or fewer choices of authors and books to choose from. And so in that regard, it could hurt readers, but it was a weird, a weird stance. I would suggest that the justice department probably doesn't fully understand why it's bad. They just know that it is. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's my point. Like, they're just like, we're going to argue against this thing. And these are the reasons, people yeah. and Stephen King. In their defense, the big publishers didn't do a very good job of making themselves look good and making mm. so, themselves seem competent or defending like some of the arguments, defending against some of the arguments that people like Stephen King made. So I'm sure the Justice Department were probably like nodding their heads a lot or not internally during the trial going, yeah, I get that. But then like, it's really hard to put that all into words. Like, you, so they were probably yeah. convinced early on that this was a bad idea because two big companies that clearly just want to rule the industry and don't really ha seem to have a good handle and admit they don't have a good handle on these things. Like, why would you want them to go to get, like, how is that going to help anybody? So they probably thought, oh yeah, it's good, but we can't really put that into words. Consumers. Yeah. You know, the problem is the United States attorneys who work for justice and places like that, they rely on getting information from people because they don't really know what's going on. They're just presenting the argument. Mm -hmm. And so if they're getting funneled goofy information, they're up there saying goofy information. It's just weird, man. I, they're, they're like I, authors. They're like fiction authors who talked to the wrong gun enthusiast. And now they're saying right. clip instead of magazine and the safety exactly. on my Glock. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. Thack. Hey, um, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Wise words. Thanks, Nick. Yeah. Nick, we were just talking, we were just wrapping up about the, the big five. Yeah. Continuing to be news. the big five. And at you as a publisher, how do you feel about this? Yeah. I don't know what you guys have all already covered. Just real quickly. I think I'm not super surprised because trend is going the other direction than toward monopoly monopsony. And so in this case, a monopsony is what would have been formed. And so, I'm not surprised that the courts decided no. However, I am surprised. I will be more surprised if there's no appeal and that if they don't win the appeal. That I think Simon and Schuster will appeal this and, and say, hey, you guys are wrong. Try again. And the courts will look at it again and then they will allow this murder to happen. 
I think it's inevitable. That's why I think there's some inevitability to these publishing companies combining forces and they just need better data to prove that they're not going to, to cause a monopsony or a monopoly for yeah. authors. <laughs> we'll see, but yeah. it's well, tough. To, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Man. It's tough to serve to, so they got this first ruling for them and it's just one district court judge, but now it's going to go to the, I don't know what circuit DC's in, but it's going to go to actually the DC court of appeals. So it's going to be a tribunal. So there's going to be three guys looking at it or ladies. And so I think there's a lot more uh, moving parts. There's a lot more opinions that get thrown in when there's three people looking at it versus just one appointed judge who may or may not have her own bent about it. Yeah, there's definitely some agenda stuff going on with any with anything. There's always that 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 aspect of it, which is kind of why I said like it, it trends toward right now anyway. We don't like monopolies. That's generally how we as a society. And so I'm not surprised it went that way. But yeah, I think when you really dig into this a little bit more. I don't think this is, I don't think a merger of these two companies is going to really change things for authors, the vast majority of authors, which is why they use the, what we're calling an author is an author who makes $250,000 or more from an, they might be affected a little bit. And Both well, of them. Exactly. All two of them that we publish every year. But the vast majority of authors are the backbone of these companies. And those mid list, even front list authors are making advances of $10,000 or 50,000 or less. And they're not going to be affected at all by this. I don't think. I feel like it'll be very, like if the merger goes through, it will take, it's like one of those things where it will take years, but it'll just be like a slow trickle down orders from above. Hey, you two imprints, stop bidding off, bidding against each other, right? Yeah. So it'll be, so there will still be other bidders, but there won't be as many. And because as imprints merge in, into one under one umbrella like they will stop so i think it'll be maybe, you know, in though, five years i think maybe some of these like some of the things will be different yeah the thing is though like if you read mike shatskin's book book business he's a new york executive publisher has been or was at least for a long time and his dad was before him and instituted a lot of what we currently have as publishing in this at least in this country these imprints have often bid against each other, even when they're owned by the same larger publishing company, because that's been a way to to essentially make things better for the author and the agent involved. These imprints bidding against each other, even though they're owned by the same parent company. So because these imprints have a lot of times their own brand, their own completely different publishing chain, completely different people, a group of people working there, and they like to keep that kind of flavor, that flair to each of the imprints. You're not wrong. There will be some that's certainly some that combine like Simon and Schuster and Penguin Random House obviously will have an imprint, let's call it each that does textbooks or based on it's exactly the same. They're like, so oh, yeah, let's just combine those. That's fine. We do the same thing. But I think there's a lot of them that are like boutique or bespoke publishing houses that do specific types of books that could bid for projects against another imprint from the same house so yeah. I, anyway we'll see how it goes but yeah. I, I think that's I think they definitely did say they were going to appeal already yeah okay. they said they're appeal so let's assume they're, they're going to do that so we won't bet on that but who thinks that it will be overturned and the merger will go through and who thinks that the merger will the the ruling will be upheld i, I think it'll go through yeah i think it goes through when it's all said and done and if i put my money on anybody it's going to be all right so Nothing against you, you play as well. right. Actually, I, I could probably tell you if you look up who the who's sitting on the DC Court of Appeals right now, 
and what who appointed them, you'll probably know pretty easily whether it's going to well, go or not. It's all part of it. Because the judge, the justice that decided, the district court judge that decided in favor of the government, and I'm not getting political, but she's a she's a Biden appointee, and they generally pick them for certain ideological concerns. Right. And no, it'll be different if there was a different person sitting there in the Fifth Circuit in Texas or the Fourth Circuit in Atlanta or something. It might be different. Are you trying to imply that the law is not objective fact? Unfortunately, I am. Unfortunately, yeah. I am. Pulled out some pretty specific circuit numbers there, too. I have no I, idea. I just guessed, man. I just guessed. That lets you know if he was I mean, lying. Circuit 14 in the east of Wyoming is, like, really brutal. <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to get, you know, you don't want to, don't want to be speed, caught speeding there. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's go on to the next one. We've seen, I don't know who here has experienced some of these crazy bugs or features, as Amazon keeps calling them when they, when you complain about them on Amazon these days. There have been, let's take the, there's been a rash of terminations. I don't know if that's just like them tightening things down. But a lot of people have been either suspended or terminated. A lot of them get it, they got things back because it was turned out that they didn't really do anything. So let's leave that one aside. But my author pages had one of my books on it. And it wasn't even, it was like a book that I was like, it was like an almost free book that I wrote for charity a few years ago. I'm like, why would that be the only book there? And I'm saying that's why my sales are so low. Because everyone goes to my author page to see what they can buy. And no one wanted the Movember mustache workout book. I like millions it. of people hitting your Amazon page. I know. Are floored that they can't buy the well-known Roland the Beast <laughs> Denzel titles that they have come to know. It's so crazy because there's a recession or like a hint of a recession. There's talk of a recession. So everyone's acting like there's a recession. So everyone's cutting back on purchases and things like that. So sales are way down. I don't know. They're, they're kind of down for me. And my sales have not been super high. So, but our, my sales are down. Everyone's talking about their sales are down, but every one of these little bugs pop up in an author group. Somebody's saying, this is why my sales are down. My, and the craziest one was the author page one, because I don't think anyone ever goes to your author page, except yeah, very few people go to your author page to buy a book or to learn more about you. They go Speak when they're curious yourself. about you. Yeah. Speak for yourself. Yeah. Go to your, your author page is my homepage. That's most, yeah. I tell people to set it as their, instead of the Yahoo portal, I just tell them that. So who's, have you experienced any of these bugs? I haven't experienced any of these specifically. I guess maybe the missing in categories issue, number two, mm. in this article. I don't know, though. So I've published a few books recently and asked, like, you can have the two that you choose. One of the ones that you can't choose from the drop-down from the menu is uh, travel adventure fiction. That is a category that exists, but you have to ask for it specifically. And so I usually will um, publish the book and then ask for that one to be added. And the last couple times I've done it, it hasn't been added. I don't know if that's a glitch or if it's just the wonderful support representatives at Kindle doing their jobs woefully. So you haven't seen it added, like when you just go look at the book? Eventually, or, it gets, or like, it's added. I've had to ask twice the last couple of times with a two-week delay. So is that even looking at it with, you look at one of those like BK Links or Publisher Rocket that shows you all the extended categories? It's not it's, in those. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Until I, again, until I beg them and then two weeks go by, it gets added. So it seems like it's a manual thing, but it's I've never had that issue before. When I've asked in years past, they, they add it, and the first time I've asked, it goes live. So I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Jim, all right? I've experienced 
most of those bugs described over the years. A lot of it happens where they change something in Amazon and you get like an old version of the page stuck in your browser. It's useful to know how to clear out your temporary internet files and your cache. If you go to refreshyourcache.com, C-A-C-H-E, it tells you how to clear out your temporary internet files because you'll notice when you're browsing the internet, you download little copies of pieces of the internet to your local computer to make them run faster. So sometimes when you visit a web page you've been to before, you're not actually seeing that web page. You're seeing the local version stored in your browser, which could be wrong, which is why like sometimes they change something and you'd be like, I don't see it. Refresh. I don't see it. But then the next day you see it because after full 24 hours, the cache dumps itself and you'd see the most newest version. But bro, you need to have a Saturday morning PBS show called like how to internet with Jim. <laughs> well, let me tell you this <laughs> like for old people to watch and be like, I don't know how to internet, but I'm going to watch Jim teach me how. Let, let me tell you this listener. If you experience a bug, let me tell you how to report it. Because if you <laughs> submit a ticket to Amazon to say my pricing doesn't work. If you submit a ticket that says that it's going to get ignored because you know what happens when you call into tech support and you say, Hey, this isn't working. That tech support person writes up what's wrong and then they send it over to the developers. And if they send something to the developers that doesn't have explicit steps to reproduce that issue, the developers are going to look at it and go, I can't reproduce this. Because that's the first thing they do. If you report a bug, someone in the company is going to follow those exact steps that you did to make that bug happen again. And if they can't make that bug happen, then it doesn't exist. So you need to put, you be very specific. I was using this browser. I was, it was at this time of day, whatever you need, information you need, think is important and exactly what you did to cause the bug to happen. Otherwise it gets ignored. That's great, Jim. Nick, should his show be like old people, authors or old authors? Like, I think it what's should be the audience? People. I think the audience is old people. Like I've been, I had car trouble with my, like my blue link download thing from Hyundai and I submitted that to Amazon. Is that what I should have done, Mr. Jim? The or internet is, that... is a series of tubes. That's okay. the main thing okay. you got to learn. I remember Al Gore telling me that, yeah, back in the late 90s or something. <laughs> Al Gore invented the tubes, so he did. I don't he like the, about. I don't like the internet because the text is really small, Jim. What I, like, where else can I go for information? I'm pretty sure you can print the pages out and just read them in your hands. <laughs> I can't even. I, got, I can't even. Oh, my God. The text is too small. Get your magnifying glass and read the pages up close. Uh, all right, what so bugs have you experienced? So yeah, so I've had, I think all of these happen. No, I've never had my account terminated, but I was missing categories and pricing was an issue for me once during a you know, big promotion that I was running. It's one of those things where you can't really, you can't really fix Amazon, right? Amazon is going to mess up and I'm not making an excuse for them because they suck for messing up, right? Like I lost a few hundred pre-orders once they had no reason why they were just gone. And when you take your time and you put your link in the back of the book and you got this and everything set up and you're running ads and you got everything and you got everything going right. And then they just, arbitrarily mess you up i think the best approach is fix what you can don't worry about the stuff that you can't you know people that point too hard to this is the reason why they're not selling books it's never this it's probably the fact that your book's not very good mm. or it's not marketed well and mm. so i would think that try to take a pragmatic or stoic approach to most of this control the variables you can and sometimes you just gotta 
You just got to let it go, man. Like Elsa. That's I mean, harsh. All right. Like what, what you listeners can't see because you're listening, not watching is all right. was looking right at me when he was saying your book's not that good. It was hard. I harsh. couldn't, you, you're not big on the screen. I can't figure out how to see you better. So I was like, is that rolling? That's funny. I feel As, like misplaced that, rage and unfettered meltdowns is a much better way to handle situations. Much easier anyway. It feels better, for sure. Definitely better. getting on Twitter and blaming some third party is also... I don't know. That's, that's just me, yeah. though. Yeah, I saw a lot of people point and say that Amazon treats traditionally published authors better than indie authors, and I really don't think that's true. I think they treat no. us all equally. No, they, they hate us all. The same. So. Um, and I saw a somebody on Twitter yesterday who lost... This reminded me, all right. He, she lost over 2,000 pre-orders because Amazon mm. messed up. And she said, let's, you know, yes, I was very upset because it was the day before my launch day. All the pre-orders, they sent out an email that the pre-order was canceled. It wasn't just lost. All the users got it. All the, the people who subscribed got one. She goes, but there's nothing I can do. They can't recover it. I know what it is. I have screamed into a pillow and now I've moved on. That's, and, and you know, I think that when it happened to me, all, all I did was I just emailed my list and I was like, hey, this book that was supposed to be active like on Thursday... Yeah, come get it now because the pre-orders are gone. So you guys might as well hop and get a copy. And I, obviously, I didn't get those back, but it is what it is. I think the same thing happened to James Rosone Rosone the other day. Rosone. He lost, yeah, 3,500 pre-orders or something. I think you're right. I remember him telling me about that. Gone. Wow. But it is what it is. What are you going to do? You know what I mean? You well, can, is there anything like political in your books? Could Did you open chapter one with... Birds aren't real, or something like that. Is there, there could be like a reason you're going against so. the, the Am, so. Am agenda. Or the I was DC circuit courts. I was talking about, about the flat that. Earth. I was talking about the flat Earth, but well, that's I didn't a, get that's to. A, that's a fact. So that's when a, Porter been, kept walking and fell off the side of the Earth. Like, holy crap! <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch came out of nowhere. <laughs> so the lesson here, I believe, is bugs happen. There's not too much you can do about it. You can call in, email in, report to Amazon, but you've there's not that much you can do, but you just got to move on. And Ra mentioned having a list. Having an email list is great critical because you have to be able to do whatever you can to recover and that's probably your best way right there yeah yeah all right let's move on the sixth one it's about jules verne and edgar Allan poe and it's not we're not going to learn a specific lesson from these two ancient authors but i found this really interesting because it really illustrates the two types of authors that we see today. Edgar Allan Poe is like the innovator, the uh, sort of the inventor. He tries new things, merges genres, even way back then, and played around. And then he was like, oh, that was fun. Okay, now I'm going to do something else. Uh, that was fun. I'm going to do something else. You know, Jules Verne saw Poe's success, jumped on it, and continued to write using the Poe formula, even though it wasn't called the Poe formula, and got rich off of this thing while Poe died early and not very rich at all poor actually what can we learn from this i think what this article calls exploitation we just call writing to <laughs> Vern discovered what poe accidentally wrote something to market <laughs> i don't he didn't intend to he just did it through sheer exploration and Vern saw that and said it's it works people like people like to consume the same product over and over again because 
Repetition gives you this feeling of structure and structure gives you a feeling of safety. It's why we like certain types of book covers and why genres need to have certain tropes in them. You need that consistency to feel like it's the same thing. Good for you, Jules Verne. You found a winning formula. So what was it like five years ago when Chris Fox came out with his right to market book and he was like, to be successful, you should go find a genre that nobody's writing in like military science fiction. And what people heard was, we should all be writing in military science fiction. And it worked for a while. It probably doesn't work anymore. There's probably not. Now the market's flooded. It's probably not every military science fiction book sells that well. And now I'm rambling, so I'll stop. No, that, that's an excellent point. All excellent points. Before I give my opinion on this, I just, I see Elmore Leonard's name on this list, and that just makes me happy. Because he's easily one of my favorite authors. And if you're listening to this and you're like, I wish I knew how to write dialogue, just read all of Elmore Leonard's stuff and you'll be cured. You'll be fixed. Yeah, so I think down here, he the fellow who writes this Oleg, he says, is it okay to, to uh, copying ideas or styles is not necessarily wrong and all that kind of stuff. Art is commonly portrayed as a domain of creativity or genius, but shared influence, outright copying is what it is. I think that the reason why Jules Verne was so successful with, you know, aping Poe's style is because Jules Verne had a way about him that people enjoyed. And I think that there are really no new ideas I think that everything that you do needs to be in your style, and that's what people will come back for. So it can seem a little bit diligent or workmanlike. It's not just Agatha Christie who repeats herself. Most writers do. They don't resemble creative geniuses so much as diligent craftsmen. And I'm no genius or craftsman, but I write the things that I like in the same manner that I do. And I think that most authors do, most successful authors do. There's a formula for winning and if you follow that you'll be okay and the formula might be different for your genre or whatever you want or the type of books that you write someone like lee child is a perfect example i haven't really cared for the last handful of his books they've fallen off but he stuck with a formula and it worked well for him i think that nick and jim would probably agree that even though they jump into different titles they write things the way that they write things and they have their formula and that's what the readers come to you for that's my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that, man. I think I, I have massive respect for authors who sit down and try to invent something new. I tend to feel the way you do, RA, with uh, there's not really anything new at this point. It's a new, re, it's a reworking, it's a new way of reworking old stuff, I think, when we do see something new. Vampires weren't created by the gal that wrote Twilight, but she did something in a new way that resonated. And okay, then we had a bunch of copycats of that. Um, but I'm, I've been doing this over a decade now. I've built up a readership that as much as I want to pretend like uh, you pretend otherwise, they just want the same thing over and over again to their credit. They know what they like and they're reading my books for a reason. And I, yes, I'm trying to get better at how I do it, but there's no illusion that I should be trying to change what I'm doing like substantially. Like I'm not going to go into literary fiction and expect this readership to, to stay with me. And even within a genre fiction, like I can't jump to romance and expect to take my thriller readers with me. That's just the reality of it. So I, if I want to say I'm doing this as a career, the way to do better in my career is to do the same thing in, in, in slightly better ways every time, to write the same book, same formula, whatever you want, whatever word you want to call it. I've been writing about a book a week on average, about 10 days, the last uh, three months. And I have tripled my income from the beginning of this year. And I'm 
I feel like I'm just writing the same book over and over again and swapping out character names. That's not true, but because I'm doing mm -hmm. it so quick, mm -hmm. I'm feeling like, well, <laughs> Roland's read them all. He's like, you read one, you read them all. Uh, no, I, when I first started doing it this way, this has been an experiment, right? I haven't talked about it much, but this is an experiment I'm trying. And uh, when I first started this experiment, it felt an awful lot like these books were not as good as some of the ones that I would say were my best books. Every reader I've asked has said otherwise. And then when I go back and read these, when I edit them down, I'm like, I'm struck by how good they actually are. Again, my opinion, right? I wrote them. I think they're, they're, they're all right. They're not any worse than the stuff that I labored over for months and sometimes years. That's the point that I'm trying to make. So I'm just doing the same thing that I've always done, but I'm better at it now so I can do it quicker and mm. it's working. And the money's great, so I'm going to keep doing it that way for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, I think one thing, they, so they looked at, or I kind of listed off some of these other authors and what they did a study of authors over time and the ones that sort of, continued that ended up being successful or stood the test of time like they found a groove and then stuck to it now not to say that poe didn't stand the test of time because like it nowadays i mean they have college classes on poe i don't know that there are any college classes on jules verne to be know, fair they have college classes on pornography now too so i don't know if that's really the barometer for what we want to use oh really <laughs> okay <laughs> this is accurate yes they literally watch porn and call it a college course that's a whole different thing but I think you're still, right being popular. I'm just saying, let's use a different Okay, okay. <laughs> so one of the things is like, his work has stood the test of time. There's like many people that analyze his works. There's... The zoo, used, the Shine Mountain Zoo, named their raven Poe. Yeah. That means he's pretty popular. Yeah, exactly. So Jules Verne picked one particular type of story that's like this adventure story that Poe had written, right? And kind of followed that formula. But that's not to say that if... like. Poe, all of his works could, Poe's works could have been successful, but he jumped genres. Like he kept jumping from genre to genre and it's really hard to gain traction there. Mm. So that's one of the bigger, one of the bigger takeaways. Like rather than, I don't know that he was that experimental in each particular genre, but his, he was experimenting by going from genre to genre. And it's hard, like we've talked about this before, you lose, it's hard to gain traction and you lose readers when you go from one type of story to another, because some readers only want to read a very specific thing. It's the difference between Neil Gaiman, I think, writes a very disparate of stories. He's writing Coraline, he's writing Stardust, he's writing American Gods, he's writing Sandman. So people follow Neil Gaiman because they like Neil Gaiman, whereas Baldacci or James Patterson... They're cranking out the same kind of stories and people like those stories and that's where they're getting them from. So I would urge readers to maybe consider being a little more Baldacci or Patterson than Neil Gaiman. But hey, if you got the chops, man, go for it and do what you do. Just don't be surprised if you make a big switch and a lot of people aren't following you. You're like, come on, guys, let's go to the next thing. And you turn around and everyone's still back there on your crime fiction. I think you're, yeah, that's what I would say too. If there's an author who's like, I want to make a career out of this, generally speaking, the way to do it is to double down in one genre and just really know that. And like I said, I have a lot of respect for people who can do it, but I, <laughs> I don't have a ton of respect for people who think they can do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I noticed that there's a lot of, there are authors who want to jump. They say they're, they want to make a living as an author, but they also don't want to be restricted in what they're writing. So they want to jump from genre to genre. Mm. And so you're setting yourself up for the lowest chances of success mm. when you do that. So like you can write for the art, 
you can write for the money or there's some place in between where like where you can write something that you still love but also is more likely to sell well yeah and then there's nothing to say you can't write little offshoots later. Like you can do like little passion projects. You got to get things covered with, if money's the important part to you, writing for money is important part to you. You got to figure out what you can write for money and then sprinkle in your art when you can. Yeah. 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 What about you, Jim? You got anything to, any wisdom to impart? We got no wisdom here. <laughs> You're tapped out from the previous one. All done. Yeah, cool. Thank you all for joining me this week. Another week of Author News Weekly. Let's go around the virtual room here. And where can the listeners find you online? I'm R.A. at com. Excellent. That's so easy. It, I was very fortunate. Excellent. How are you fortunate? Because I could have had to put like thriller writer R.A. Oh, because there were like a hundred other R.A. McGee's? There's an R.A. McGee that's a correctional facility. So <laughs> when I first started writing, the R.A. McGee correctional facility dominated the Google page. Everything oh. was on there. So I'm happy to let you know that they are off the front page except for nice. one PDF that I can Your cease and desist worked? Well, I just, I'll just flood the market with books and these suckers will get out of here. Yeah, I bet that penitentiary is not writing any books. Losers. <laughs> Losers. I went through this... I went through the same thing. There's a Harvard law professor named James L. Heskett, and it took me years to get Jim Heskett, my website, above his stuff. I still don't own Heskett. He still comes up first if you just Google Heskett, but I'm at jimheskett.com. Never given up that website. I've got a similar situation with a dentist in Santee, California, named, uh, unfortunately, Nick Thacker. And I own that guy right out the gate. He's on, like, page three. He probably has no clients. No one else to find him. It's probably like, I don't understand why nobody comes in. It was, that book, it was that book about dentistry that you wrote that one time. Just to That's find really what put, put both of us on the map. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, uh, my friend Ernest Dempsey, if you Google him, I'm pretty sure it's still there. He's been fighting with Google because they literally show all his books – but then the picture is this old guy <laughs> named Ernest Dempsey. It's very much, it's decidedly not the actual Ernest Dempsey, but he can't get them to, uh, to change it. Oh, that's, and yeah, you can find me at nickthacker.com if you want. You don't have to. That's nice. That's nice. And, and you, you can find Amazon. I'll flood all the categories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm lucky. Roland Denzel is not a very common name. Who's that character in the Dan Kotler series? I, think. I know. So that is like the one thing that every once in a while somebody says, Roland Denzel. Oh, it's, he's a character in one of Kevin Tomlinson's books. Wonder if, so you show up. I was hoping that, uh, Kevin's character showed up first on Google. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks for the support. <laughs> like it was like, Roland Denzel is a character in the Dan Kotler universe. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to have to put a Nick Thacker in my one of my books and just pr make sure he's pr 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 prominently works, yeah. featured to kick you off the front page. Yeah, you can find me at indestructibleauthor.com and... Um, yeah, and hope to catch up with listeners and hope you all join us again next week for Author News Weekly. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining me. Have a great week. <laughs>